welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this day. And God, we thank you for this time we get to come, God, and, and worship you, God, and praise your holy name, God. God, you be glorified today, God. But God, I pray in this moment right now, God, for any distraction in the minds of our people, that it will fall away right now, Father God, that anything that will hinder them from hearing what you have for them, God, for them hearing the story that you have been writing, God, I pray it will be dispelled in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for the one today that doesn't know you. God, I pray that you begin to draw them to yourself, God. And I pray that you speak through me mildly. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. So remember that first conviction we're going to be talking about today, the conviction we're going to talk about today is that we prioritize the unreached among the nations. So that leads me into point number one. We're going to look at the Bible and be all over Scripture today. So I want you to flip to Genesis chapter 1. It's your very first chapter in the Bible. The very first chapter of the Bible. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 is where we will be for right now. And we'll begin to see right here, what is God's original purpose for creation? And it reads like this. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And let's stop right here. Who is the them that this is talking about? Adam, you can answer. This, this, is a, this is free for all right here. Who is the them in this passage that he's talking about? Who did God create? He, he created people, but who, more specifically, who did he create? Adam and Eve, right? And then it says in verse 28 that God blessed them. So let me ask you this question. They had just been created. What did Adam and Eve do at this point to deserve God's blessing? They didn't do anything. They just existed, right? So they, they, they received from the beginning unmerited favor from God. And if you want to know what grace means, grace means unmerited favor. So God created Adam and Eve in this moment. And what he told them, he says, I want you to enjoy my grace, is what he's saying. He blessed them. I want you to enjoy my grace. And then I want you to look at what he says, the very first words that he says to mankind. This Adam and Eve that he created, look what he says to them. He's, and we go down to verse 28, and he says, And he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves, right? And then right in this verse right here, what do we see? We see we are created to multiply and fill the earth, right? And Connection Church, you do a good job of that. Y'all make a bunch of babies, I'm telling you that. Go look at the kids' ministry, right? I feel like sometimes we got to have three or more kids to be a part of this church, it seems like. But in, even in saying that, though, you just heard Buck celebrate. We had a few families say yes to, to fostering and adoption. So we, we care about having kids, and also we care about adopting them as well, right? We have an adoption problem here in America. Over 500,000 kids in the adoption, in adoption system, over a million churches. If one person from every two churches got together and adopted a kid, we'll end that problem. All right? Let's keep on moving. So seriously, what's the first thing he says to Adam and Eve? He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So what is God envisioning through this command? And I believe what we talk about so much at Connection Church, he's envisioning what's what I call multiplication. And how is this multiplication going to happen? 
And why did it need to happen? Because we were created to know God and make him known, to bring glory back to himself. He wanted his creations to fill the earth and then begin to extend his glory, to spread his glory to the ends of the earth. So could you just imagine in this moment, close your eyes and imagine God created everything that you see and what he wanted was worshipers from every nation, every tribe all over the earth, radiating his glory back to him, his creations, right? Raining throughout the earth. Now, let me ask you this next question. What what if sin never entered the earth, right? What if sin never came into the world and mankind would have filled the earth with worshipers? What would that look like? Would everybody speak the same language? Would they have the same culture? Yes or no? And let me ask you this. Do languages, do they stay the same? Do languages stay the same? And if you take a trip from South Georgia up to Minnesota, you'll see they don't. They develop different accents. They develop, develop different dialects. And for too long, you have a completely different language. I'm telling you, when this bad boy right here went to Tijuana, Mexico to visit a couple of our missionaries that were in training, them taxi cab drivers that barely spoke English didn't know, the, they didn't know what I was saying. All right? I know when I go to Minnesota and I ask for a bag, they tell you, you want a big I said, no, I want a bag. They said, big. I said, bag. All right? They don't understand this country boy from South Georgia, right? So no, they develop and they change over time, right? So what would happen if sin never entered the earth and then our worshipers would have spread all over the world? You would have had a mosaic of different languages radiating glory back to God, right? And I remember my first time in Engage Global, they took us to a church, and it was a multi-ethnic church service. You had Chinese in there, you had Sudanese people in there, people from Swahili, you had uh, 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 Mexicans, Americans, all you can think of, Indians, people in this same church service worshiping God. And I remember they sung a song, and they, every time they sung a song, they sung a verse to represent every people group represented in that church, and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Being around believers from, from across the world. These are refugees that their homes were war-torn, so they didn't have nowhere to go. They had to come here as refugees, and a lot of them are living in complete filth. And they're meeting, and they're worshiping God together, and it is joyful to them. I remember we sung that Chinese song, and I can't remember the song they sung, but I saw my Sudanese brother. They were jamming up in the corner, and I said, I can vibe with them. And in that moment, what I began to see was my view of God became so much bigger at this point. My view of God was as big as it's ever been, and I remember crying, thinking that, God, you are so big, God. You're so beautiful, God. Enjoy my grace, extend my glory. So then we know the story. We keep moving through the Bible. We know the story. Mankind develops what I call an obedience problem. And then we see sin enter the cosmos when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, and we see them get kicked out of the garden. Well, they had a two sons called Cain and Abel. And we know what happened with them. Cain became jealous of Abel's sacrifice. So what did he do? He killed him. And Adam and Eve had more kids that began to multiply, and then this this world became corrupt as we began to spread. And now we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 6. It's a story that we all know, a story that we grew up hearing about. You know, I I remember the Jesus story Bible, and we we see this picture. It's a beautiful story, and how it shows you how it points back to Jesus. But let's read this story. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, it'll be on the screen. It says, Then the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, 
And every inclination of the thoughts of a human heart was only evil at that time. It is the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, with them the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. Listen to this right here. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So if any of you know this story, what did God tell Noah to do? He told a man to build a boat, right? Told him to build an ark and that he was going to send a flood and his flood was going to wipe out all of creation. So we saw that two pairs of every kind of animal got on the boat and then the Lord closed the door and then it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the Bible goes forth to say that the springs of the deep burst forth and gave forth their waters, right? And as they're on that boat, they're out there for a while. And as they're floating around, Noah would send out a, a dove, right? And the dove would come back because there was no land to find. And one day he sent that thing out and that thing never showed back up. And then God told them to come out of the ark. And now we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 9. And I want to show you this beautiful promise that he gives Abraham. I mean, not Abraham, Noah. Genesis 9 chapter 1, it says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Do you hear it? The second time it's been given in the first couple cha- few chapters of the Bible. Be fruitful and increase in number. That same commission that was now given to Adam and Eve when God sent judgment on the earth and he flooded the earth and wiped everybody out, but Noah and his family, that was not God abandoning his original purpose, but yet he was resetting the scene for his original purpose to go forth, to multiply, and guess what? Fill the earth, right? And now you begin to see a common theme here. God is, is serious about multiplication. And in everything that God creates, if it's healthy, guess what it will do? It will multiply in time. If you are a healthy disciple, guess what you will do? You will multiply. If you are a healthy small group, what will you do? You will multiply. What happens if you are a healthy church? We're not meant to hold leaders to ourselves. If we are a healthy church, guess what we'll begin to do? We'll begin to multiply, right? And now, once again, as you follow the story of the Bible, as we begin to multiply, we become sinful again, all right? And now we find the people gathered in a place called Shinar, other known as Babylon, he said, and we will talk through a story that most of you people probably heard growing up, and it's called the Tower of Babel. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11. Let's continue following this thread of God sending his glory to the ends of the earth. And let's watch what the people did as they're in rebellion of God's original plan. Genesis 11, chapter, uh, Genesis 11 verse 1. It says, now the whole world had one language and one common speech. As the people moved eastward, they, were, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. It says, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Remember that. It says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make our name, make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building, and the Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. So the people building the Tower of Babel here, they knew what they were doing. They were in open rebellion against God and his original purposes and plans. And how do we know they were in open rebellion, how they did not want to follow God? There was a good detail when they said instead of using, uh, uh, instead of using what they used for the, hold the bricks together, they used tar instead. 
And what that was for them was a waterproofing material, right? You use tar instead of mortar because the tar would have made those bricks waterproof. And they've done that because what they would have known was they would have heard the stories of what God did when he brought judgment on the earth. So now they knew God was probably going to bring judgment on them. So now they're trying to really walk in open rebellion and say, hey, let's go ahead and put tar on this bad boy. So if he sends another flood, we will be ready this time. They were in open rebellion against God. And I want to point that out because God, I want to tell you something. God created us so he knows how this life works best, right? In this story, they have rebelled. They wanted things their own way. And we have seen it twice now that God gave a command to be fruitful and fill the earth, to go travel and make babies. Is that hard to follow? Travel, make babies. That sounds like a fun life to me, right? Why couldn't we be obedient? It's because of that sin problem, right? We wanted a natural separation from God. So God wanted his glory to spread to all the earth, but look at what the people said. The people said, this will make us famous, not God famous, not glorifying God. It said they will make us famous, and it will keep us from being scattered over the world. What was God's original plan? He wanted them to scatter all over the world, right? So the people of Shinar wanted what I call independence from God, storing up for themselves their own riches, making a name for their own selves, wanting to be comfortable and safe. But I like to say it all the time, Comfort and obedience do not go together. They clash. In a sense, they want what most teenagers want. If you got a teenager in here, you understand this. They want the benefits of staying in your house, eating all your food, but they don't want to listen to you, do they? That's the same thing we say to God sometimes. God, will you keep putting food on my table, but don't tell me what to do? God, I want you to bless me, but not instruct me. This is what they were saying in that point. Let me tell you something. When God blesses us, he blesses us to be a blessing to someone else. And you'll see that coming up here soon. When we go up in Christ, we go out to other people. When we love God, we love people. And that should extend to the ends of the earth, to all nations, right? Let me tell you something, church. We serve a sovereign God who created us on purpose for a purpose. I love saying that. I can never say that enough. We serve a sovereign God who created us on purpose for a purpose. And God's plan, what was it? To spread his name all over the world. But what would the people say? They say, don't want to be scattered. We want to make a name for ourselves. Let us question, begin to look in our own hearts and question our own most why we do the things that we do. Is it because we're making a name for ourselves? Are we living our life to truly glorify God, to truly be fruitful and multiply? So what does being fruitful and multiply mean to us? It means making disciples. At Connection Church, it means making disciples. And to take it a step further, it means making disciples of the nations, right? Cross-culturally. Not just the people that look like us. People that we're comfortable around. But this is talking cross-culturally to different ethnic groups as well. So now, what did God do to the people in the Tower of Babel? He confused their languages, all right? And now, what, what should have took a, a years to happen, now God made it happen in an instant, and he scattered those people, and now we have the nations are scattered all over the earth, but something is missing. We have the nations, we have all these different languages now, but what's missing? Worshippers, right? Yeah, they're all scattered, they're all doing what he's done, but they're not worshiping him yet. So now God has to initiate a plan to draw these worshipers back from all these scattered nations, right? So now he's got to initiate a plan because guess what? We were uniquely designed where we are to accomplish God's plan in the earth. And let's go to point two. Let's talk about that restoration plan that God put in place. Genesis chapter 12. If you're following on in your Bible, we're still in the book of Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 12. I love this covenant here. People thought that 
the Great Commission came in Matthew 28. If you want to know where it first started, it came in this verse right here. So now the, the, this restoration plan that we're talking about, God meets with a man named Abram, later known as Abraham, and he makes this promise. And look what he says. Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country to your people, your father's household, and to the land I will show you. And listen to this. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And listen to this right here. All peoples, you can change that and say all nations on earth will be blessed through you. Sound like the Great Commission, doesn't it? Go make disciples of all nations. He says all nations will be blessed through you. This is what God is moving towards. He says, I'm blessing you to be a blessing to the nations. And there's a word in there I want us to look at because we, we don't see that much. Why? Isn't the word people already plural? And we have a lot of people that come to Connection Church. Ain't the word people all, ain't, that ain't bad, that ain't good. Isn't the word people already plural in and of itself? So now, why is God saying all peoples on earth? Peoples with an S. He's saying peoples because what he was referring to was people groups. He was referring to the nations, the people that have a common affinity with one another because of language and culture. He says, all peoples or all nations will be blessed through you. In a book I've read called God's Bottom Line, a statement that was firmly said, he says that every top-line blessing comes with a bottom-line responsibility. Every top-line blessing that God gives has a bottom-line responsibility. So whether you like it or not, guess what? Western civilizations, us here in America, guess what? We've extremely been blessed by God. But as we see this push through Scripture, as we see the Bible play out, as we walk through these stories, we see that God didn't bless America for us to keep it to ourselves. He blessed us so we can be a blessing to other people, right? For his blessing to flow through us on the way to somebody else. Because that's what happens with the gospel message. When you get saved, you're not saved from something. You're saved to something. Once you've been rescued, you become part of the rescue team, and we begin to go and rescue other people. That Genesis 3, just let that reign in your spirit today. All peoples will be blessed through you. We know the tendency of Christians today. We like to hang in what I call our tribe of Christians. It's that, that, that thing that, call, that, that prejudice in our minds that calls us to call us, us, and them, them, right? Well, we think we can't go to the darkest areas of this community and go and share the gospel. Well, we think we can't go to somebody who don't look like us and share the gospel. Man, I've seen it happen beautifully in Engage Globals this year with one of my buddies, Blake. He met, they, Blake and Austin Bush and Jacob Lord, they all went out to get Taco Bell one night because they were hungry. And they went to Taco Bell in, in, in Minnesota, and there was this, this, this Somali Muslim refugee that came up to him and asked him for some money. And they said, brother, I don't, like, we, we don't normally give out money, but let me go buy you something to eat. What do you want? They went and bought this man a meal. And when he came back, he, the guy asked him, he said, why is it that always Christians are the nicest to me? And this is why I love Blake so much. My man has a shameless audacity to share the gospel with whoever he comes in contact with. My man, empowered by the Holy Spirit, begins to share the gospel with this man. And this man gives his life to Christ. A Somali Muslim gives his life to Christ. And then to take it a step further, they said, man, let me pray for you. And the guy was like, no, I want to pray. You mind if I pray to Jesus for the first time? And he lifts his hands to the sky. He says, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. Can you please come into my heart? 
How beautiful is that? A na- somebody from the nations that God has created that was living amongst us, they met him where they were and shared the gospel with him, and this man got saved. And now he's meeting with the staff at Engage Global, and now he is truly studying the Bible and learning who this Jesus is that he, has, that he has accepted into his heart. This thing is for all people, not just us. Not just folks in Dublin. This thing goes to the ends of the earth. And as you go through the Old Testament, you see this promise that he gave to Abraham, right? We see this promise given about five or six more times. So the Great Commission was actually given a bunch of different times, five times before Jesus gave it in Matthew 28. Why do you think he calls him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? How many of you ever heard that phrase before? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he gave that covenant that all peoples we bless through you. He gave it to Abraham three times. He gave it to Isaac. He also gave that bad boy to Jacob. You can almost can say he gave it to Jacob twice. He gave him to him twice at Bethel. The first time he fell asleep, told him all people are going to be blessed through you. Woke him up. The nation's going to be blessed through you. So now you see God. You see this thread. All of human history heading towards one mission, the mission, right? I got a picture I want to show you guys. This picture of the 1040 window to be up on the screen. So we talk about the 1040 window a lot at Connection Church. And what this is, is is an area between 10 degrees longitude and 40 degrees longitude on the map. And that's where primarily most of the unreached people groups are living. So as we talk about unreached people groups, AJ, what do you mean? How many unreached people groups are there out there? There's estimated there are over 8,000 plus unreached people groups living in the 1040 window. Majority of the people who don't know Christ live in this window. That's why at Connection Church, we have put a laser focus on taking the gospel to those places where there is zero access. That's why the missionaries that we support are located in this, somewhere in this window. We got one in Northern Africa. We got another one in Northern Vietnam. We got another one that's going to be taken off to Indonesia by the end of this year. No access to the gospel. So what does it mean to be unreached? It means that 2% or less classifies Christian. And what that means is they may know who Jesus is, but they don't know enough to profess saving faith, right? And then out of that 8,000 plus, you have what's called unengaged people groups. You got 3,000 plus that are unengaged. And what unengaged means is they have zero access, nothing. There's no Bible track. There's nobody speaks their language. There's no movie. There's no song. There is nothing. They're completely left without access. Sounds to me like we got a big mission ahead of us, don't we, church? taking the gospel to all nations. God desires worshipers among these nations. So Connection Church, guess what? The mission is clear. God is calling us to something bigger than ourselves. And what a privilege it is that we can take part in what the God of the universe is calling us to as a church. Now let's go to Matthew 28, which is commonly known as the Great Commission, but for our purposes, we're going to call it the Great Recommission. Because you've seen it. <laughs> you've seen the story. You've seen God wanting to multiply. You've seen God want to fill the earth with his glory. You've seen it multiple times now. You've seen he gave it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the total of five times that he's given the Great Commission now. Now Jesus is on scene. And now he's telling them exactly the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee and to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always until the end of the age. 
So if you understand a little context right now, this is one of the last things Jesus would have told his disciples. And that statement makes, that verse makes three things that we ought to be doing as Christians. You're looking for your purpose. Your purpose is found right here in this verse. Go make disciples of all nations, right? Baptize them and then teach them all he has commanded us, right? Those are the three things. But for time purpose, let's focus on that first one. He said, you are to go. What does that mean for us? That means to meet people where they are and share the gospel with them. That means that as we're going throughout life, we should be looking for people to build intentional relationships with, with the purpose of sharing the gospel. I call it evangelism, doing everyday things with gospel intentionality. Church, let me let you know something, church. The call to leverage your life for the Great Commission is not a sacred experience that God extends to a select few of people. The call to leverage your life for the Great Commission was included when you made the answer to follow Jesus. It's called the Great Commission, not a great suggestion. This is something that we are commanded to do, so we got to be obedient to what our Savior is now calling us to. But understand this right here at Connection Church. We are a sending church, and as the missions director, I pray daily that someone we raised up, someone will put their yes on the table to go to that 1040 window that has no access to the gospel. So it says in this verse, how do you disciple a nation? Let's answer that question right now before we move on. How do you disciple a nation? We always talk about making disciples, but how do you disciple a nation? You cannot pull a nation into your living room, all right? You have to go, and you have to plant a church in that bad boy, all right? We want to plant churches at Connection Church in the unreached. That's our focus. At Connection Church, we don't want to send what I call shotgun shells across the nations with the gospel. We want to send rifle bullets. Because anybody knows that hunts, you, what, what do you do more damage with? You don't kill a deer with a shotgun, do you? Unless you shot him in the head close, close range. But you hit him with a rifle, right? That caused the most damage. So here at Connection Church, we believe we want to send rifle bullets to the nations. That Matthew 9, 36, 30, Matthew 9, 38, it says, Ask the Lord of harvest to therefore send out workers into the harvest field. Why? He said the harvest was plentiful, but the workers were few. So now ask him to send out workers. Let me tell you something, Connection Church. The workers that we send out from the Connection Church network will be those rifle bullets that make impacts in the nations, right? Church, I'm asking right now, there may be somebody here today that God may be stirring your heart for the nations right now. And I'm asking you, will we go? So guess what? The nations that have zero access will know. Think about our kids. Think about their kids that, that will grow up and live and die without ever hearing the name of Jesus. we got to begin to have our heart broken for the thing that breaks God's heart. And let us be obedient to what he's calling us to because we are God's plan A to reach the world. There is no plan B. And then we finish up here. We're in our last point right here. I'm thinking I'm getting long. KK hates me right now. That leads me to my last point. Live with the end in mind. We always talk about that at Connection Church, live with the end in mind. So if we made it to the conclusion of this sermon and we made it to the, we're going to go to the back end of the Bible, we're going to go to a place called Revelation, all right? The conclusion of the Bible, because I've heard it preached, we should be living with the end in mind. And this is a monumental picture. This verse we're about to read is going to be a monumental picture of what we will see in eternity. 400 mentions of nations throughout the Bible, and one day we're going to see every one of them at the foot of the cross. So now we're in the book of Revelations. Where did that book come from? It was written by a guy named John. He was banished to the island of Patmos, and God gave him a prophecy of a vision of what he's going to see in the end times. In this book, he looks through almost like, almost like looking through a door, and he gets to see a snapshot of heaven. And I want you to read what he wrote down in Revelation 7, 9. Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. 
from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Can you imagine how beautiful that is? Every nation, every tribe, every language, every tongue, everyone standing at the foot of the throne. Then I believe God will be getting what I call his greatest glory. And I've said this example before, but I feel like it's a perfect time to use it now. What does it look like for us to give God what I call the greatest glory? So, so imagine this right here. What if this church was full of a bunch of middle-class white people, and we came and we worshiped God in spirit and in truth? Would God be glorified? Yes, he would. Now, what if we had a church full of middle-class white folks and middle-class black folks, and we come up in this bad boy and we worship God in spirit and in truth? I believe then we'll be giving God what I call the greater glory. But what would happen if we find every nation that's represented in Dublin, Georgia, white, black. I met a guy from Sudan a few weeks ago, Indian, Mexican, you name it. Every community represented here in Dublin, Georgia, if we got them in the same room and begin to worship God in spirit and in truth, then I believe we'll be giving God what I call the greatest glory. We should be people passionate for the greatest, God's given God the greatest glory. So can you imagine that? The creator of the universe, the one who created me, the one who created you, you unifying all of us through the power of his Holy Spirit, and we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. All of eternity, this is what it's boiling down to right here, and this is where we're heading. We have something we need to do. People talk about it all the time, I'm ready for Jesus to come back. I'm like, if you're ready for Jesus to come back, we got some work we got to do then. There are people who hadn't heard yet. There's a passage of scripture that says there's a way you can speed the coming of Christ. And I believe you do that by sharing the gospel with people. I believe you do that by being obedient to what he called us to do. Because at the end of the day, guess what? If he comes back now, there are many people who are going to miss heaven. I'm telling you. Do, do we care about the things that God cares about? The Bible also talks about he is patient and withholding his wrath from us. Why is he patient? Because he loves us and he wants more people to come into the kingdom. But in closing, and Jim, y'all can go ahead and come back up. I just want to be transparent for a minute. Many, many years ago, when Buck was discipling me, he took me to that missions conference, mission trip, whatever you call it. I got a glimpse of God's story. I got a glimpse of God's global thread. I saw it laid out through Scripture, and that thing, that bad boy jumped up on me. You hear me? It changed me. I, I, I completely left everything that I was doing. I was chasing this federal law enforcement dream. And when I saw that thread, it changed my life. When I came home, I told God, God, this life is all yours anyway. I'm giving you the pen now. You write my story. I've been living life my way, being selfish for so long. God, I want to live for you. But I tell you guys, as crazy as I am about missions, I don't want you guys to look at me and say, oh, AJ, here he is. He's that crazy missions guy. But I want you to understand that the reason that missions exist right now is because worship doesn't. One day, missions will be no more, and all that's going to be left is worship of our holy God. And something I've been, something I've been guilty of is, is guilt-tripping people to have a heart for the mission of God. Sometimes I show them pictures of graves. I stood in a graveyard in, in, in northern Africa, and I, and I saw those graves, and, and, it, and it pierced my heart to know these people died and never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And I will tell that story, and sometimes I forget that I'm not trying to guilt trip people into saying yes for the mission of God because that's not what's going to sustain them. What's going to sustain someone on the mission field is being captivated by what's already been done through Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. It is that message alone that should drive us to worship. It's that message alone that should make us hit our knees daily saying, God, thank you that your grace and your mercies are new every single morning. Thank God for a new day to get it right, a new day to live on mission for you and go tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. Church, missions exist because worship doesn't. Church, we want to be a church that completes the task. Can you imagine one day we have a service in this bad boy here and we roll out all the unreached languages on the map and we can put a check mark and put CCD beside an unreached language and know there are going to be people in heaven because of our obedience. For some, it may be your obedience to go and actually be a missionary. For some, it may be your tithing, your giving, your generosity goes to support what's happening amongst the unreached. For some, it may be just educating people on this thread that you see throughout Scripture saying that, hey, these stories are connected because God has a mission. Mobilizing people. Mobilize. Maybe it may be praying over your kids because the greatest disciple that you may make may be somebody that you're raising. So we should have a loose rein on our kids because God loves them more than we do. And if God chooses to send our kid across the world to a place with zero access to the gospel, we should support them for that. Whatever your next step may be, for some, it may be here today coming to faith in Christ for the first time. Because as we always say, you can't share about a God you don't know yet. You can't go live on mission for a God you ain't on a mission, on a mission field with. All right? But I want you to understand something today. If you are in here right now, maybe you've been battling week in and week out, hearing the gospel preached. Because one thing we're going to do here at this church is we're going to share the good news of Christ. I want you to know, if that's you here in here today, I want you to know that God loves you. And he got you right here in this moment for this reason. He wants you to see his story that you could be a part of. Because if you hadn't said yes to Jesus yet, you're not on his team and he can't use you. And there are literally people in your circle. He created you at this moment in time so you can be used for his kingdom. He wants a relationship with you. So in this moment, everybody bow your heads. So I'm going, I got to continue to ask him, what is your next step, church? Maybe it's joining heart and soul. Maybe it's joining a connect group. Look, we always talking about it a lot. Connect, connection Church is not about taking a million steps, it's about taking your next one. So I'm asking you right now, if you've never taken your next step to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, and you realize in this moment that you need a Savior, and that you realize that you are a sinner, and you realize that if you don't say yes to Jesus, you will spend eternity separated from God in hell, but you realize that God did send Jesus to die on the cross for his sins, and you want to make him Lord of your life, if that's you in here today, would you lift your hand? With every head bowed, every eye closed, and you realize today, for the very first time you want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, would you lift your hand? For the rest of us, these altars are open. Maybe you realize in this moment you haven't been living for the glory of God and you need to repent of some sin. I want you to understand right now these altars are open. I will be down here willing to pray and there's leaders at this church that will meet you down here where you are and we will pray with you. But my last challenge, church, is will we pray? Will we give? Will we send? And lastly, will we go? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you. God, as I preach through your story, God, I just, God, I pray that you would begin to break our heart for what breaks yours, God. God, there are little people that, are, that, that, that live, that have no access to you, God. The beautiful thing that we have to come here and worship you freely, God, and feel your presence in our lives, God, they had never felt that yet. 
and Satan has kept them blinded. But God, I pray right now that you will raise up a people in this church, God. You will raise up a team, God, that you will use them, God, to go and plant a, God, plant a, church, a gospel-centered church, God, that's about multiplication, that's serious about reaching people the way you designed us, Father God. And I pray as a church, God, because we know it's not just a team that's doing it, but we're doing it together as a family. So, God, whatever part that we have to play, God, would you reveal it to us in the name of Jesus? But, God, I ask as we continue to worship you, God, would you continue moving as you've already done today, God? In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.